Good morning. Like me, you've probably heard politicians and commentators say again and again, this is the new normal and our world has changed forever. Well, yes and no. Yes, our lifestyles and perhaps our priorities will have had to change. But no. Our hopes and fears, our need to have right relationships with friends and family, and ultimately with God, has not changed. But perhaps we've wondered again, why does God allow illness and suffering? Rather than easy answers, the Bible gives us pointers to set us thinking. Paul himself wrote, In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is made perfect in weakness. For my sorry, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, they're brave words, but how far are they realistic? It's one thing for me to say that God's grace is sufficient, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. But to actually say, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, is that realistic? Can you honestly say that you have delighted in the challenges of lockdown? Minor though they are in comparison with Paul's experiences. An old hymn has these words. A man that looks on glass, on it may stay his eye. Or, if he pleases, through it pass, and then the heavens espy. Look at a window. Focus on it. Unless it's been very well cleaned, what can you see? You can see the glass. You can see the frame. And it's even more obvious if, if there are raindrops running down the glass. Stay where you are, but now change your focus. Look through the window, through the glass. What do you see now? A garden, trees, clouds. You haven't moved, but your perspective has changed. You can focus on the pain, the illness, the impact on family and friends, even the NHS, or we can choose to change our perspective, to look beyond the suffering, to wrestle with understanding what God might be doing, what he might want to teach us, and what lies beyond. Three questions for us to think about. Firstly, Paul wrote, I delight in weaknesses, in difficulties. Can you say that you have delighted 
in the challenges of lockdown. Secondly, where has been your focus during this pandemic? Have you been looking at the window or through the window? And thirdly, when we get no easy answers, can we really still believe that God cares? I'm reading from John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, The one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. At Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But for your sakes, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I want us to return to the story of Lazarus that, that Chris brought to us three or, four months, three or four weeks ago. And I want us to look at events, this time from Mary and Martha's perspective. Lazarus, their brother, was getting sicker and sicker. It was probably Martha, because she was the practical sister, who said, let's send for Jesus. He's healed people everywhere. He comes to stay with us when he's in the village. I'm sure he'll come if we ask him. They sent a message to Jesus, and they waited. And waited. Can you imagine Mary and Martha's impatience? When's Jesus going to get here? What can be holding him up? But we read in verse 6, So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It's confusing, isn't it? 
What kind of friend is it who, when he hears you are seriously ill and asking to see him, decides to do nothing? How are we to understand Jesus' apparent willingness to let Lazarus die? A few days later, we read that Lazarus had died and Jesus told his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. What's this about? Surely, Jesus has now left it too late. What's easier, to heal someone who's sick or to raise a man from death? Jesus had already healed many strangers. Why didn't he rush to heal his close friend? But it's only after receiving the news that Lazarus had died that Jesus says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Rabbi, the disciples said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Thomas's response rather reminds me that of Private Fraser in Dad's army. Thomas says, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I can hear Private Fraser saying, Doomed. We're all doomed. Now from verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So by the time they get back to Bethany, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Crowds of friends and family had come to mourn and support the sisters. Martha hurried out to meet Jesus and greeted him with these poignant words. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But then her expression of faith. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Martha went back to the house and called Mary to join them. Mary was crying. Friends and family were crying. No doubt professional mourners were crying and weeping and wailing. And we read, Jesus wept. Does Jesus care? Yes, Jesus wept. But if he cares, let's return to that puzzling statement. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, 
he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Why? Why did Jesus stay where he was 30 miles or more away? Is there a lesson here for us about the significance of illness and death? Are we looking at the window? Compare that with being in a right relationship with God the Father, looking through the window. When Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus, the one you love is sick, Jesus had said to the disciples, this sickness is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Being no doubt, Jesus loved this family. He stayed with them when he was in their village. How strange that he would now stay away for two more days, unhurried and seemingly unconcerned. Mary and Martha must have known how dangerous it would be for Jesus to come back. They knew that Jesus could heal at a distance, and yet they seemed to want him to come and to heal Lazarus. Was anything more urgent than the need of his dear friend? But Jesus knew that what was going to take place, done in God's timing, would bring greater glory to the Father than if he were to hurry off to Bethany immediately. We need to look through the window to see the glory of God, to see God's love and life-giving power in all that Jesus does. And now we will see the most spectacular manifestation of this glory. God's glory is seen in his victory over death. Indeed, it is only possible through death. First, the death of Lazarus, but ultimately the death of Jesus himself. Illness, even death, isn't the worst outcome. But separation from God. Living without him is far worse. If all we want is to be rid of suffering, we're going to struggle with our experience. But once we understand that a loving, all-powerful God is allowing us to suffer, then our perspective can be totally changed. We can begin to ask, what is it, God, that you want to teach me? Ron Dunn, the American writer, was discussing faith with an evangelist called Manly Beasley. Manly Beasley had been suffering from severe chronic illness for more than 20 years. And we read that Ron Dunn said to Manly Beasley, we all want your faith, but we don't want to go to the school where you learnt it. We all want your faith, but we don't want to go to the school where you learnt it. When Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up, it's got profound implications concerning God's power over death and our future life with him after death. The disciples are very disorientated. Who can blame them? It should encourage us when we feel the same way. There's important assurance for us in this passage. Remember, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you 
believe this. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Death isn't the end. It isn't nothingness. But it's the transition into a lasting, more wonderful relationship with Christ as Lord and Saviour. On a more everyday level, Christ's response to news of Lazarus can give us reassurance and confidence that even when our lives have turned upside down, God is still in control, and his response to events is in his timing, and it's always for the best. We can look at the window, or we can choose to look through the window.